1 John 4, beginning at verse 7, this is God's holy and infallible word. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. There was once a Sunday school class who was asked, what is the summary of the Christian life? What's the summary of God's law? One word. I won't tell you how they did because they were, it was a little embarrassing given that they were high schoolers. But would you get the answer right? You probably have a clue from what we just read, and maybe you knew ahead of time. It's love. The answer is love. We're talking about tried and true spiritual practices, and there's nothing bigger than love. Jesus made that very clear when he was asked once, what is the biggest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And his reply, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything we do, every aspect of how we live, including prayer, Sabbath-keeping from the last couple of weeks, it all flows from this big, overarching call to love. Love is the summary of God's will for our lives. Now, the one thing about love and about focusing on it there's not really anybody who would disagree with us Christians on this, right? Who would not say that people should be loving? I would think even the 20% of the population who are the nuns that we talked about, who say they don't believe in God, would promote love. Why is that? How could that be? Well, I suspect that in the end, what is called love out there, what the world calls love, is not a totally accurate or a, not a totally complete picture of what love really truly is. And as an example, I think there are a lot of people who think the loving way to act and live is just to let people live and act however they please. And so somehow tolerance is misconstrued as love. And if you don't tolerate all behaviors, they might say, you are not loving. And when people start talking about tolerance that way, as they do in our culture, as Christians, we want to say, Hold on just a minute here. Perhaps the loving thing to do in certain situations is to call out certain behaviors as unbiblical. 
That could be the loving thing to do, we might want to say. So in this sort of environment, in this sort of day of views of love like that, what does it mean for us to be loving people? And I believe the answer is to find and dig into the definition of love, not from within our hearts, not from our feelings, not from human reason, not from how the majority of people might define love, but from God's authoritative word. And there, what we find is that love is sacrificial. That's what I believe is unique about Christian love, which I believe is real love. It's true love. Verse 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. God sought our good, at his cost by sending Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross is the culmination of God's sacrificial love. That's the definition of love, says the Bible. And that's just not the definition for God's love. That's for people, too. Because in John 13, verse 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you. Love one another. And have you ever thought about that verse? You've heard it many times. That should make us scratch our head a little bit in wonder, because how in the world is that a new commandment? The Old Testament talks about loving God and loving others. That's where Jesus got the first and greatest commandment and the second like unto it. It's from the Old Testament. And everybody in the world would say loving others is a good thing. What is possibly new about loving others? The answer to that, and what is explicitly Christian in our loving, is what follows. Jesus says after that, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Aha! That's what's new. That's what's different. That's what's unique. That's what sets us apart in this world. Not just loving others, but loving like Jesus. And how did Jesus love? He loved sacrificially. What I want to do today is pretty simple. I want to look at five characteristics of this new command for believers that Jesus gives us. What is sacrificial love? First of all, sacrificial love is preemptive. In other words, it takes initiative. We read in our text in verse 9 how God sent his son in love. Verse 10, it's not that we loved God, so we weren't loving God, but he loved us. Romans 5 adds to this picture when it says, while we were yet sinners, not loving God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 1 says that God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world and that in love, God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Talk about taking 
initiative, not only while we were yet sinners, not just before your birth, but before creation, God had you in mind and God loved you. God loved you. And that was true of you and me in the church. It's true of folks out there too. While we were enemies of God, God initiated a relationship with us. That is the incredible preemptive love of God. What's called love today, I believe, tends to be reactive. Being loving to those we like or who have already been loving towards us. But the fact is anybody can do that. It's easy to love someone who's already been loving to you first. Pagans do that. Agnostics do that. Atheists do that. Sacrificial love is different. It reaches out first. Sacrificial love takes the first step when need be. What would it mean to take initiative in love for you and for me day by day? It's easy to be friendly towards that smiling, friendly cashier at the grocery store, but there's nothing distinctively Christ-like or sacrificial about loving someone like that back. How might we love that grump at work? What about that difficult, unapproachable neighbor? What about that family member that you're no longer on speaking terms with? What about, boys and girls, someone who is not nice to you at school? How can you and I initiate love with others? What does real love, and that's real love, love that takes initiative, what does real sacrificial love look like? in the real situations of your life. Second, sacrificial love is more than a feeling. Boston was on to something all those years ago. They really were. Verse 9 of our text says, God showed his love to us. Romans says, God demonstrated his love in sending Jesus. God's love isn't just warm fuzzies. There's a concrete Action in history to point to. God sent his only begotten son to suffer and bleed and die to save us from our sins. We don't feel the love of God for us at every moment of every day. And if you do, I'd love to talk to you and figure out how you do because I confess that I don't. We don't feel the love of God for us every moment of every day, and that's okay. We have something more solid than our fickle feelings. We have God's act of love in history to look to and to point to. We've got proof of God's love in the cross of Jesus Christ. Every Valentine's Day, John did something concrete when he gave Sue a bouquet of flowers and a note that always said the same five words, my love for you grows. He did that all 46 years they were married. And then sadly, John died. 
And as Valentine's Day rolled around, Sue knew not to expect anything. But when a bouquet arrived with a note from John, Sue, heartbroken and and very upset, called the florist to report what must must have been a cruel trick, but the florist assured the widow it wasn't a mistake. She said, before he passed away, your husband prepaid for many years and asked us to guarantee that you'd continue getting bouquets every Valentine's Day. And when she hung up the phone, she then opened up that envelope and read the attached card, and it said, my love for you is eternal. What would it mean if our love for others was more than a feeling, but also concrete action? A great man in the history of the church, Thomas Akempis, said, Whoever loves much, does much. And I think a church that visits those who are shut in, that serves at pads every month, that does most of its ministry through hardworking volunteers, gets something of what a Kempis said. Whoever loves much, does much. And so we ask ourselves, how am I demonstrating love? How do my actions lately say, I love you to my spouse, to my friends, to strangers? When was the last time I did more than talk about love, but instead demonstrated my love? Third, sacrificial love cares for the least of these. Anybody loves the lovely. Christ-like love, biblical love, sacrificial love cares for the least of these, like the orphan, the prisoner, the homeless, the poor, the cast-offs. The ultimate model for this, as well as everything else we're seeing about love, of course, is the love of God. The Bible uses a lot of different ways to talk about our situation without him. We were lost in our sin. We were imprisoned by our sin. We were orphaned because we were no longer part of the family of God. We were impoverished, spiritually speaking. But then God came in and he met us in our need. And now what does the Bible say? You and I are heirs of the glorious riches of Christ. You have an inheritance like no other inheritance you could ever imagine in this world. And now we care for those in their need too. In Israel, in the Old Testament, the poor, the foreigner, the widow, the orphan were cared for because God said so. While in other cultures, the vulnerable were left to rot. God's people continued that type of love after Jesus came. And in the Roman Empire, it was Christians who cared for the destitute. Sick babies, elderly, people with severe illnesses were left to die in the streets in those days, or they were brought out to garbage heaps outside the cities to die. Christians became known as those who would give a cup of water, cover someone with a warm blanket, pick up a cast-off child, 
and raise them as their very own. That sort of caring for those in need was basically unheard of in the world before Christianity, sociologists tell us. Later on, the first orphanages and hospitals were developed by Christians. And to this day, many of our hospitals have a basis in Christian organizations. You can see it in their name. I already mentioned ways that we as a church care for those in need. I could add our shoebox ministry to sick children, Crossroad, which cares for people in prison, our support of two orphanages, this new venture with Ebenezer CRC Food Pantry and Burn. Why do we do this? Well, it's because it's what true sacrificial love is all about. The thing about caring for the down and the out that bugs me is how the far left wing of our society has tried to hijack this from the church, act like this was their idea to care for those in need. They talk about looking out for the vulnerable and social justice as if it was something they came up with, not God. It's absolutely astounding to me how that has happened in our day. There are those that talk about caring for the needy in our society, and that's a good thing because biblical love calls us to do that. But in some cases, they're doing it without God, without basing it in the truth of God's word. And without that basis and foundation in God's word, in God's love, I just don't see how it can ultimately work or go well. And there's some who place that responsibility in the hand of the government rather than where it should be in the hands of people who have experienced the love of God in their hearts. I happen to personally be of the opinion that there certainly is a place for the government to care for the downtrodden. But if people and businesses and corporations with Christ-like values, we're simply living that old-time religion. Don't you think we'd come a long ways in our nation? Don't you think we'd be in a better place? The fact that there are people who care for the needy in this world, whether they know it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, it comes originally from the church, from the people of God who know the love of God. It's in our society at all by common grace, by spillover grace from the church. As God's people, let's continue to lead the way. Let's reclaim this peace of love from those who snatch it from us and who wickedly are separating it from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Fourth, sacrificial love is never divorced from the truth. In our day, love can mean basically the same as acceptance. And all sorts of behaviors and activities are accepted and tolerated. Hey, if people want to marry someone of the same gender, bless them. If someone wants to try Buddhism, go for it. If someone wants to sleep around and party it up while they're young, it's their life, it's their body, they can do as they please. 
this attitude of tolerating any behavior, any activity, because it's their life, is considered and called loving. And if anyone dares challenge anyone on anything, they are called hateful. But what if love was not mere acceptance of whatever? What if love wasn't living as you pleased, but living to please God? What if God defined love and showed us the way of love through his law, the Ten Commandments? And that's exactly what he did. It's not necessarily loving to let people do what they want to do, whatever they might come up with in their mind, what feels right. If I let Adriana, who's my two-and-a-half-year-old, if I let her do whatever she wanted while she was outside playing, I can pretty much guarantee you that at some point she would run into the street. It would be very unloving for me to allow her that freedom. The loving action would be to tell her that she may not run into the street. It would even be loving for me to yell at the top of my lungs across the yard if I was far away, Adriana, stop, you're going to get hurt, and jar her to stop. It would even be loving for me if I was close to pick her up kicking and screaming if that's what it took. That would be a loving action in that case. God is love. God is also just and true and holy. And he tells us what is just and right and true in his word. Love and justice and truth don't have to contradict each other. They do not. And where we see that most clearly is in the cross because it displayed God's love and mercy, but also his justice. Jesus took on the judgment of sin to satisfy God's justice. He was punished. And then God's love was displayed in that God counted that payment of sin to us. And so all who belong to Jesus All who believe in him, including you today, are saved because of the deep, deep love of God and the firm justice of God that paid for sin once and for all on the cross. God's sacrificial love is not separated from his truth or justice or righteousness, and neither should ours be. As the Bible says, we must speak the truth In love, and in that section I read earlier in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about truth. When it comes to the church, we see someone getting off track, slipping maybe in their worship attendance, slipping in some aspect of their Christian life. The loving thing is to come alongside someone and say, hey, what's up? How are you doing? It's unloving to watch someone go down a bad path. And so there are times when we must speak the truth to a brother or sister in the Lord. 
And as Christians living in this world, we do the same. We speak the truth of God's word. We proclaim it. Some may call it intolerance, but it's love. It is loving to reveal who God is and what he has done and how we as people need to respond and belong to him through faith in Jesus. Finally, sacrificial love has a greater purpose. When people love, when you and I love, there could be there are a lot of reasons, complex reasons that go into every one of our actions. In all, probably a mixture of good reasons and a mixture of selfish reasons. John gives a greater purpose for love than maybe sometimes we think about when he says in verse 7, let us love one another for love comes from God. And then verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Those are incredible statements. God's love is made complete in us, puny people. Somehow we reveal God. He is seen when we love one another. I think there's no doubt This is too deep for us to totally grasp. There is great mystery here. But part of what this means is that the fullness of God's love, I believe, comes into our lives and is experienced when we love others. Loving each other is how we tell others about God. It's how we reveal who God is. God is revealed made known somehow in our loving. Sacrificial love, our loving, is part of the mission and purpose of God in this world. And when we see how central it is to his purpose for revealing himself to others, we see then why it is so central to our lives, central to the purpose of us being here, And we see why it's so central to the purpose of the church. And it's why express God's love is right there in the middle of our mission statement. We love especially because it's our divine purpose to do so. It's a big part of the mission of God's people. It points people to the source of all love. It reveals why love exists at all in this world, and it's because God first loved us. This is sacrificial because it puts God's greater purposes ahead of our own reasons to love. Sacrificial love puts God's will, God's kingdom, God's mission ahead of our own. So, in a world where I don't think anyone would disagree with the need to be loving, God's word shows us today what true love, what real love is. It's sacrificial, and that means that it's preemptive. It doesn't wait for the other person, but it takes initiative. It's more than a feeling. It involves action. 
It includes caring for the least of these, just as God met you in your spiritual poverty and need and me. This love is always coupled with the truth, never separated from the truth, and sacrificial love is a love that is for a great purpose, the mission of God itself, pointing others to him. And it's, it's our mission, friends. It's our mission to love. May we, with the Spirit's help, show to our world a love that is uniquely biblical, uniquely Christ-like for God's glory, for the upbuilding of his church, and to bless those around us. Amen.